Then he took him by the hand and led him into a very large parlour that was full of dust because never swept. The which, after he had reviewed a little while, the interpreter called for a man to sweep. Now when he began to sweep, the dust began so abundantly to fly about that Christian had almost therewith been choked. Then said the interpreter to a damsel that stood by, Bring hither water and sprinkle the room. The which, when she had done, it was swept and cleansed with pleasure. Then said Christian, What means this? The interpreter answered, This parlour is the heart of a man that was never sanctified by the sweet grace of the gospel. The dust is his original sin and inward corruptions that have defiled the whole man. He that began to sweep it first is the law, but she that brought water and did sprinkle it is the gospel. Now whereas thou sawest that so soon as the first began to sweep, the dust did fly about, that the room by him could not be cleansed, but that thou wast almost choked therewith, this is to show thee that the law, instead of cleansing the heart by its working from sin, doth revive, put strength into, and increase it in the soul. Even as it doth cover and forbid it, for it doth not give power to subdue. Again, as thou sawest the damsel sprinkle the room with water, upon which it was cleansed with pleasure, this is to show thee that when the gospel comes in, the sweet and precious influences thereof to the heart. Then, I say, even as thou sawest the damsel lay the dust by sprinkling the floor with water, so is sin vanquished and subdued, and the soul made clean through the faith of it, and consequently fit for the King of glory to inhabit. I saw, moreover, in my dream that the interpreter took him by the hand and had him into a little room, where sat two little children, each one in his chair. The name of the eldest was Passion, of the other Patience. Passion seemed to be much discontent, but Patience was very quiet. Then Christian asked, What is the reason of the discontent of Passion? The interpreter answered, The governor of them would have him stay for his best things till the beginning of the next year, but he will have all now but patience is willing to wait. Then I saw that one came to passion, and brought him a bag of treasure, and poured it down at his feet, the which he took up and rejoiced therein, and withal laughed patience to scorn. But I beheld but a while, and he had lavished all away, and have nothing left him but racks. Then said Christian to the interpreter, Expound this matter more fully to me. So he said, these two lads are figures, passion of the men of this world, and patience of the men of that which is to come. For as here thou seest passion will have all now this year, that is to say in this world, so are the men of this world. They must have all their good things now. They cannot stay till next year, that is until the next world, for their portion of good. That proverb, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, is of more authority with them than are all the divine testimonies of the good of the world to come. But as thou sawest, that he had quickly lavished all away and had presently left him nothing but rags, 
so will it be with all such men at the end of this world. Then said Christian, Now I see that patience has the best wisdom, and that upon many accounts. Firstly, because he stays for the best things, and secondly, because he will have the glory of his when the other has nothing but rags. Nay, you may add another to it, the glory of the next world will never wear out, but these are suddenly gone. Therefore passion had not so much reason to laugh at patience, because he had his good things first, as patience will have to laugh at passion, because he had his best things last. For first must give place to last, because last must have its time to come. But last gives place to nothing, for there is not another to succeed. He therefore that hath his portion first must needs have a time to spend it. But he that has his portion last must have it lastingly. Therefore it is said of Dives, In thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Then I perceive it is not best to covet things that are now, but to wait for things to come. You say the truth, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. But though this be so, yet since things present and our fleshly appetite are such near neighbours one to another, and again because things to come and carnal sense are such strangers one to the other, therefore it is that the first of these so suddenly fall into amity, and that distance is so continued between the second. Then I saw in my dream that the interpreter took Christian by the hand, and led him into a place where was a fire burning against a wall, and one standing by it, always casting much water upon it to quench it, yet did the fire burn higher and hotter. Then said Christian, What means this? The interpreter answered, This fire is the work of grace that is wrought in the heart, he that casts water upon it. To extinguish and put it out is the devil, but in that thou seest a fire notwithstanding burn higher and hotter, thou shalt also see the reason of that. So he had him about to the back side of the wall, where he saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand, of which he did also continually cast, but secretly, into the fire. Then said Christian, What means this? The interpreter answered, This is Christ who continually, with the oil of his grace, maintains the work already begun in the heart, by the means of which, notwithstanding what the devil can do, the souls of his people prove gracious still. And in that thou sawest, that the man stood behind the wall to maintain the fire, this is to teach thee, that it is hard for the tempted to see how this work of grace is maintained in the soul. I saw also that the interpreter took him again by the hand and led him into a pleasant place where was builded a stately palace, beautiful to behold, at the sight of which Christian was greatly delighted. He saw also upon the top thereof certain persons walking who were clothed all in gold. Then said Christian, May we go in thither? Then the interpreter took him and led him up towards the door of the palace, 
And behold, at the door stood a great company of men, as desirous to go in, but durst not. There also sat a man at a little distance from the door, at a table-side, with a book and his inkhorn before him, to take the name of him that should enter therein. He saw also that in the doorway stood many men in armour to keep it, being resolved to do to the men that would enter what hurt and mischief they could. Now was Christian somewhat in amaze. At last, when every man started back for fear of the armed men, Christian saw a man of a very stout countenance come up to the man that sat there to write, saying, Set down my name, sir. The which, when he had done, he saw the man draw his sword, and put an helmet upon his head, and rushed toward the door upon the armed men, who laid upon him with deadly force. But the man, not at all discouraged, fell to cutting and hacking most fiercely. So after he had received and given many wounds to those that attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all, and pressed forward into the palace, at which there was a pleasant voice heard from those that were within, even of those that walked upon the top of the palace, saying, Come in, come in, eternal glory thou shalt win. So he went in, and was clothed with such garments as they. Then Christian smiled, and said, I think verily I know the meaning of this. Now, said Christian, let me go hence. Nay, stay, said the interpreter, till I have showed thee a little more. And after that thou shalt go on thy way. So he took him by the hand again, and led him into a very dark room, where there sat a man in an iron cage. Now the man to look on seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if he would break his heart. Then said Christian, What means this? At which the interpreter bid him talk with the man. Then said Christian to the man, What art thou? The man answered, I am what I was not once. What wast thou once? The man said, I was once a fair and flourishing professor, both in mine own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I once was, as I thought, fair for the celestial city, and had then even joy at the thoughts that I should get thither. Well, but what art thou now? I am now a man of despair, and am shut up in it, as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. But how camest thou in this condition? I left off to watch and be sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts, I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I grieved the spirit and he is gone. I tempted the devil and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Then said Christian to the interpreter, But is there no hopes for such a man as this? Ask him, said the interpreter. Then said Christian, Is there no hope? but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? No, none at all. Why, the Son of the Blessed is very pitiful. I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. 
I have done despite to the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour me as an adversary. For what did you bring yourself into this condition? For the lusts, pleasures and profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But canst thou not now repent and turn? God hath denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. Yea, himself hath shut me up in this iron cage, nor can all the men in the world let me out. O oh, eternity, eternity, how shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity? Then said the interpreter to Christian, Let this man's misery be remembered by thee, and be an everlasting caution to thee. Well, said Christian, this is fearful. God help me to watch and be sober, and to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. Sir, is it not time for me to go on my way now? Tarry till I shall show thee one thing more, and thou shalt go on thy way. So he took Christian by the hand again, and led him into a chamber, where there was one rising out of bed. And as he put on his raiment, he shook and trembled. Then said Christian, why doth this man thus tremble? The interpreter then bid him tell to Christian the reason of him so doing. So he began and said, This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed, and behold, the heavens grew exceeding black. Also it thundered and lightened in most fearful wise, that it put me into an agony. So I looked up in my dream, and saw the clouds rack at an unusual rate, upon which I heard a great sound of a trumpet, and saw also a man sit upon a cloud, attended with the thousands of heaven. They were all in flaming fire. Also the heavens were in a burning flame. I heard then a voice saying, Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. And with that the rocks rent, the graves opened, and the dead that were therein came forth. Some of them were exceeding glad, and looked upward, and some sought to hide themselves under the mountains. Then I saw the man that sat upon the cloud, open the book, and bid the world draw near. Yet there was, by reason of a fierce flame, which issued out and came before him, a convenient distance betwixt him and them, as betwixt the judge and the prisoners at the bar, I heard it also proclaimed to them that attended on the man that sat on the cloud, gather together the tares, the chaff and stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. And with that the bottomless pit opened, just whereabout I stood, out of the mouth of which there came in abundant manner smoke and coals of fire with hideous noises. It was also said to the same persons, Gather my wheat into the garner. And with that I saw many catched up and carried away into the clouds, but I was left behind. I also sought to hide myself, but I could not, 
for the man that sat upon the cloud still kept his eye upon me. My sins also came into my mind, and my conscience did accuse me on every side. Upon this I awaked from my sleep. But what was it that made you so afraid of this sight? Why, I thought that the day of judgment was come, and that I was not ready for it. But this frighted me most, that the angels gathered up several and left me behind. Also the pit of hell opened her mouth just where I stood. My conscience too afflicted me, and as I thought, the judge had always his eye upon me, showing indignation in his countenance. Then said the interpreter to Christian, Hast thou considered all these things? Yes, and they put me in hope and fear. Well, keep all things so in thy mind, that they may be as a goad in thy sides, to prick thee forward in the way thou must go. Then Christian began to gird up his loins, and to address himself to his journey. Then said the interpreter, The comforter be always with thee, good Christian, to guide thee in the way that leads to the city. So Christian went on his way, saying, Here I have seen things rare and profitable, things pleasant, dreadful, things to make me stable. In what I have begun to take in hand, then let me think on them and understand. Wherefore they showed me were, and let me be, thankful, O good interpreter, to thee. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall, and that wall was called salvation. Up this way therefore did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty, because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders, and fell from off his back, and began to tumble, and so continued to do, till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre, where it fell in, and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome, and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow, and life by his death. Then he stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. Now as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him, with peace be to thee. So the first said to him, Thy sins be forgiven. The second stripped him of his rags, and clothed him with change of raiment. The third also set a mark on his forehead, and gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bid him look on as he ran, and that he should give it in at the celestial gate, so they went their way. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy, and went on singing. Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could aught ease the grief that I was in, till I came hither, what a place is this? Must here be the beginning of my bliss? 
must hear the burden fall from off my back, must hear the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed sepulchre, blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me. Already Christian has found his way into the house of the interpreter and laid his eyes on the curious picture of one who undoubtedly represents the faithful gospel preacher. Yet there is much more for him to see in this house. It most likely is the case that Bunyan is here describing the work of the Holy Spirit of God when it comes to the interpreter himself. This is backed up by Christian's refrain when he leaves the house and says, Thankful, O good interpreter, to thee. The Holy Spirit in John 15 verse 26 is called the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. And though Christian, as not yet has come to the cross, he is certainly being led, being convinced and being called by the Spirit of God. It may well be that Bunyan was describing his own conversion experience through the house of the interpreter, a man who himself, after much dealings by God, came to a saving knowledge of the Saviour. In this house, many other sights awaited Christian. The dusty parlour clearly illustrates original sin and how through the law such sin is brought more acutely to a sinner's attention. It is the work of the gospel through the Spirit that cleanses such a life. One of the most precious sights is the fire burning against the wall, symbolising the fire of grace in the life of a convert. Satan will do all he can to extinguish it, but the Lord Jesus is behind and according to his secret counsel, continually adding oil to that flame. Pilgrim also sees one of the most harrowing sights in the story, the man in the iron cage, representing those who are confirmed in their unbelief, those who seem to have tasted the good things of the word, but have never truly been converted and rather instead shun Christ for sin and this world. Could the unpardonable sin be here in view? After the apocalyptic vision, Christian finally leaves, grateful for all he has seen, but greater things now lay ahead. In one of the most well-known portions of this book, he finally comes to the place of the cross. In ascending, his burden is loosed and it rolls away into the sepulchre. It is here the clear picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is seen. When in faith we cast our eyes on him, on his work, we too cry out, blessed cross, blessed sepulchre, blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me.